I made this statement that I think Janet's albums, that four album run to be specific, is better than Mike's four album run. Come on, okay. man. We're gonna get into this. What was your first thought when I said when 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 we reached out to you and said, hey, we want to have this conversation with you? What is your first thought when I make that statement? My first thought was, let's not even do the podcast. Let's get on the phone now and settle it. <laughs> so you think I'm wrong? Am I wrong or am I right? Where am I at on this? <laughs> if I agreed with you, I wouldn't be on this podcast. Five, four, three, <laughs> two, one. What's going on? Welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast for, by, and about black people, black culture, the blackness. In the parlance of one Don King, the blackness. I heard that on a, a, an interview he did once, and he was like, that's the blackness. I was like, you know what? Don King, I don't know exactly how far your blackness goes sometimes, but that one thing, that worked fine for me. Um, welcome. We are going to have a wonderful, very black, very conflicted very conversationally conversated conversate i like the word conversate we're gonna have a conversation about a a percolating conversation in the black community now i don't know who started it i like to give myself credit for starting this conversation but i'm joined by i'm joined today by the homie matthew allen who is a music writer a journalist in fact you know i'm gonna do you proper service by reading your bio but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a black it up a little bit, you know, for the culture. It's their culture, right? Yeah. So Matthew Allen is a Brooklyn-based TV producer, director, and award-winning music journalist. He's interviewed the likes of Quincy Jones, which is important for this conversation. Quincy Jones, Jill Scott, Smokey Robinson, and more for publications such as Ebony, Jet, The Root, The Village Voice, Wax Poetics, OK Player, Revive Music, and Soulhead. His video work can be seen on PBS, All Arts, Brooklyn Free Speech, and Brick TV. And most importantly, he is my colleague here at The Grio. What's going on, Matthew? How you doing, brother? I'm doing great, Panama. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, it's an honor to speak with you uh, on the show. I'm really honored to be here. And I'm glad to have you here because I'm, I'm glad you put all those things in your bio because it gives some credence, some credibility to the fact that you're a music head and a music writer and somebody who spends his time living inside the music, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which is important for this conversation. So let me open up. Let me break down what we're going to talk about today. Then we're going to do a little bit of we're going to back into it a little bit. So many years ago, I can't even remember how long ago it was. I had this epiphany. I was in the car rolling down the street, not smoking Indo, not sipping gin and juice, but I was rolling down the street and I was listening to. I think the album Janet, or probably Rhythm Nation, because I think the song All Right on Janet Jackson's Rhythm Correct. Nation 1814 album is like one of my favorite songs ever. So I'm listening to this song. I'm listening to the album. I'm like, yo, this is an amazing album. Then I was like, yo, Control was an amazing album. Rhythm Nation, album, Janet, album, Velvet Rope. I was like, these are all amazing albums. And Janet has a plethora of other albums. I was like, you know what? I actually think Janet Jackson's albums are better than Michael Jackson's albums. Now, I have to caveat this quick. And I mean, they're, they're this, this particular four album run. So I'm talking Control, Rhythm Nation, Janet, The Velvet Rope, which I think most people would agree are her four best albums. Compared to Michael Jackson's, what I'm going to say are his four best albums. I'm, I want your opinion on this, mm -hmm. uh, which would be Off the Wall, Thriller, Bad and Dangerous as a four album run. Yeah. That Do works. you think those are Janet's best albums? 
with, without question, those are Janet's best albums. Janet's control is akin to Michael's Off the Wall. It's not their first solo albums, but people right. think that they are because they're such breakthrough records and it kind of obliterates or overshadows all the records that come before it to a certain degree. But yeah, those are Janet's best four albums, hands down. Uh, as far as Michael is concerned, um, yeah, I would say that. there's He does have one or two of his Motown albums that I really, really love. Uh, particularly the first two got to be there in Ben, but uh, I can definitely get behind Off the Wall, Thriller, Bad and Dangerous being his best uh, four albums. Okay, so we're gonna compare those albums for this conversation. So, where are you with Janet? Ooh, Janet Jackson. Well, outside of her being... That, that elicited a whoop, Janet Jackson, like you had to actually breathe for a second. Listen, outside of her being my biggest and most enduring celebrity crush of all time, Janet Jackson has probably done more with less than any artist I've ever seen, just vocal-wise. You know, we're, we're not going to... See, we're not going to be here saying that Janet Jackson's the greatest singer of all time because she isn't, but Janet Jackson's voice is very underrated. And she became the biggest star in the world for, for a good period, along with her brother. Right. Just like people talk about Beyonce now, but Janet Jackson, she's the real template of so much. We talk, we're talking about these albums like Velvet Rope. If it weren't for the Velvet Rope, there'd be no Anti by Rihanna. There'd be no Rated R by Rihanna. There'd be no Lemonade. There'd be no self-titled Beyonce album without the Velvet Rope. Just that one record like paved the way for so much. I'm so in love with Janet, not just because she's a crush even now, but because just her music. All of her albums have to do with independence. You know, Control is about her professional independence. Rhythm Nation is about her social independence and the way that she wanted to talk about social issues. Janet is about her sexual independence. And then Velvet Rope is about her independence from her inner demons. So she's very, very important in that regard to American music history. Yeah, it's funny you say she's like the enduring crush. I remember my father used to ask for Christmas to have Janet Jackson under the, the Christmas tree. It was Janet, Mariah, and Whitney Houston, whichever one we could pull off. Every year, that was his one Christmas wish. <laughs> Very black father in the 80s. Um, Very much. But I will say this. You said Janet, Mariah, and Whitney. Mariah mm -hmm. and Whitney are obviously better singers vocally than oh, Janet. absolutely. But... I'll take those four Janet albums ahead of any of the four best Mariah or Whitney albums any day. Well, because they're better albums in general. Like, listen, the the crux of this conversation implies that Janet Jackson's albums are, like, great, right? Yeah. I don't know that this, whew, this is going to be a take. <laughs> I don't know that Whitney has a great album, honestly. Like, mm. I don't know if she has a whole album that I would be like, yo, that I have to have that Whitney album. You know okay. how people put those memes on social media where they're like one of these got like one of these got to go and their catalog has to go. Yes, it's always hard go. when Whitney is on there because I don't want to lose Whitney's voice. But do I need any Whitney album in my life? I'm not <laughs> sure that I do. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think Whitney's songs, you know, are important. I think that um, I mean. You Give Good Love was playing when my son was being born. So I always have that sentimental sort of thing. You know, Mariah Carey, you know, she's she's got, you know, some great albums. But in terms of Whitney, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm yeah, good with the greatest songs. hits package. Yeah, she had, yeah. Oh, Whitney, she has Whitney, songs. Like the Whitney Greatest Hits album. Mm-hmm. 
pure classics, like straight bangers, straight heat from start to end. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't think of a specific album where I'm like, I need that one album. Like if, again, like people do, we used to, now it's those memes that people say you lose one of these in their catalog. We used to do the, if you could only take like five albums with you and you were <laughs> stuck on a deserted island, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like there's never going to be a Whitney album I'm going to put in there. No, her second album is probably the closest because it's, 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 joints on that one didn't i mean right. so mo- so emotional didn't we almost have it on like it's, there's lots of joints on that one to be clear there's no shots at whitney one mm. i i would i would be willing to die on the greatest voice which is hard because you got the aretha and stuff like that I, i'd be no, I'm, 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 i'd be willing to have those arguments have you ever seen janet or mike in concert uh no the closest i came was watching their hbo concerts uh the the bucharest concert of course, with Michael, which was live, and then of course both the the Velvet Rope and the Offer You concerts, I saw with Janet on TV. That's the closest I ever came to either of them. Okay, I have seen both. I okay. saw Michael Jackson the Bad Tour. I was, I guess, like eight or nine years old in Germany. My parents are mm-hmm. huge fans. They used to take us to concerts all the time. I think my first concert was maybe Cyndi Lauper. Um, but oh, I've seen, wow. I think Al Jarreau. I've seen. Um, I don't know. It's my parents love going to shows. I have seen Janet as well. I saw the Rhythm Nation eighteen fourteen mm-hmm. tour. I was also very young, and the enduring memory I have from that is some random dude. So I'm in Germany. I'm a military brat. So I'm in Germany. So you know, Janet shows up. All the black people, everybody, every military person. We all show up to those shows. And I don't know how I got separated from my family, but I just remember this one dude like dapping me up as like an eight or nine year old kid because janet like takes off her shirt and she has like on the bustier and he just I, he was looking for somebody he just looked down saw me and dapped me up i had i was i just i visibly i can vividly remember this memory because i was so i was so confused like wow like i don't know this man but he was like wow i need to dap somebody up right now somebody's gonna catch all of this all of this dap that i got <laughs> that must have been during uh, Black Cat because she used to do that yes. during Black Cat. Yes, it was, as a matter of fact. See, that's that's why you my guy. Okay. <laughs> All right. I made this statement that I think Janet's albums, that four-album run to be specific, is better mm-hmm. than Mike's four-album run. Okay. We're going to get into this. What was your first thought when I said, when, 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 when we reached out to you and said, hey, we want to have this conversation with you, what is your first thought when I make that statement? My first thought was, let's not even do the podcast. Let's get on the phone now and settle it. <laughs> so you think I'm wrong. Am I wrong or am I right? Where am I at on this? <laughs> if I agreed with you, I wouldn't be on this podcast. <laughs> okay, so you think I'm wrong. Okay. No, I, I don't agree with that. Okay. Most people, it's, it's funny. I found, when I wrote that article, so I have this thing where apparently I do a lot of hot takes. Except I don't know that they're hot takes. I just think I'm stating facts, right? I'm just sharing as far as I'm concerned. I'm just sharing with the community. I'm just like, you know what? I had this mm-hmm. thought. You know what? That's a fact. Let me go ahead and share this conversation because that's what we, we're writers. We're sharing culture and sharing discussions, and we're the kind of people that generate discussion. So I just threw it out there. I didn't really think that I was saying anything controversial. Woo, I couldn't have been more wrong about that thought. I don't think I'm wrong about my statement. Um, I got <laughs> murdered. Um, mm. people thought I was tripping now, now to be fair though a lot mm. more people said they agreed with me than I expected once I saw the fr- you know the first string of comments was boy somebody need to take your keyboard your black card all that stuff 
But there were a lot of people in it. It's like, you know, I actually agree with this statement. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I'm not alone in this. I, you know, at first I was like, of course, this is a fact. And then it was like, wait, am I wrong? And then it was like, okay, maybe this is, a, maybe I'm not tripping. Why do you think I'm wrong? Okay. Here's why I think you're wrong. Uh, because number one, just the three Quincy albums okay. are included in this four album arc for Michael. Off the Wall, Thriller, and Bad. Three of the biggest selling albums of all time. And, and let's just throw sales out of the window. Yes, we have to. Because this is yeah. not a sales conversation. No, it's not. Because Michael will win that just off the strength of Thriller Absolutely alone. he would. I, I wrote an article for The Griot not too long ago when they tried to talk about, oh, is Drake on Michael Jackson's level now since Certified Loverboy is here? Did you know that Thriller has outsold in Drake's entire catalog in just the United States? Wow, I that one that. album has outsold all of his albums, including his album with 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 um with Future. So okay. so yeah, we'll, we'll leave numbers out of it. But in terms of just the quality um, of the music, I mean, off the walls. I mean, let's just start there. That's just a perfect record. It's, just, it's like to f- start to finish one to ten. It's perfect. You can say the same thing about Thriller. I mean, Thriller one to nine, seven singles seven top tens only nine songs and the two songs that weren't singles baby mine and the lady in my life a lot of fans will say those are the two best songs on the album thriller i mean you have so many enduring ubiquitous songs beat it billy jean they have this thing on twitter what's the best three song run on an album and people are naming like like hip-hop albums like of the last two or three years i put right beat it billy jean human nature and everybody's like you know what we're done that's that's the answer <laughs> i wouldn't i probably wouldn't even dispute that yeah i wouldn't so, even dispute that so then you have bad which is my personal favorite michael jackson oh. album you know really? I, I, I yeah i think and i wrote an article about this too the the bad album is michael jackson as a solo artist it is creative peak in terms of where everything was at the same level in terms of his singing his performance his production his songwriting it was his music videos. The bad videos are his best videos. There's so many okay, yes. joints I, I, okay. on bad. Yeah. Yep. Then you have Dangerous. You got Michael bringing the best out of Teddy Riley. You know what I'm saying? Just really pushing Teddy to go take New Jack Swing to a new... Statement. Yeah, I of do. Course go ahead. Would. Keep going. Yeah, of, of course I disagree with that statement, actually. <laughs> okay. So, but and so... You have him really pushing Teddy Riley and getting him to explore new territories and, and having him and teaching him more about the importance of melody and then just making homages to his heroes like James Brown, you know, under the guise of this incredible new industrial production style. And then you have Michael coming into his own as producer with songs like Black or White, songs like Who Is It? If you're black or white. It's greatness and one of the best album covers of all time as, as well in terms of Dangerous. You can't really go wrong with any of those four albums. They're all certified classics. They are. And, and so let me tell you my argument for this. Because okay. it doesn't, it, it's, you kind of hinted at it earlier when you were talking about, when I asked you where are you with Janet and why you like Janet. So that four album run, Control, Rhythm Nation, Janet, Velvet Rope. Mike, I think, put together the best collection of singles ever on Off the Wall, Thriller especially. Mm-hmm. Bad has some of the great has some of the greatest songs. Like Mike is Mike is Mike, right? Like mm-hmm. there's I'm not disputing the quality. Yes. I'm not disputing the success. 
I'm not disputing the musicality or the amazement. All like everything is all amazing. I'm 100%. Janet's albums are actual thematic albums that have a point from start to end. They land the they, and because there's one producer. I mean, though Mike, you know Mike Quincy and, and Teddy Riley. Mm-hmm. Because you get Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, who for my money are probably the greatest musical producers. Like, I love Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis so much. They're literally responsible for my, like, growing up musically. Saturday Love, man, I could literally mm. do a 15-part docu-series on that one song alone about why I think it's so <laughs> amazing. But I won't do that. I won't bore anybody with that. But Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and Janet Jackson coming together to put those albums together, they had a goal, right? It was like, you know what, Janet, what story are you trying to tell? They sat down. They put it together. Janet helped write. They did the music. And for four straight albums, I think that they put together a thematic idea that ran through each one of those that the through line started in song one, made it all the way to the end. And you could feel it. You could see it. You could you felt it. That is the crux of my argument. Like, I'm not arguing that Mike's albums are are less than I'm just saying Janet made actual thematic albums with a point, stuck the landing, clapped when she landed. And got a perfect 10 on each one of those in terms of executing a vision, a style, a sound. Because that's what each one of those albums has all that. It has a vision. It has a style. They're musically flawless. The ballads match the up-tempo songs. Like, it takes you through. They, the, the one critique I would have is that they feel really long. <laughs> like, some of the albums, like, like, Janet feels like a really long album. When I, when I went back and re-listened to it, I was like, man, this album just kind of keeps going. It's but I really twenty seven tracks. Yeah, and it's, just, but, but it's like half of those are like interludes. It's like the small interludes, but more it, than it half. Just feel yeah, it just there's feels only twelve really songs on an album, but twenty seven interludes. There's two interludes after the last song. That's right. how long that song that album is. It feels long because, but people were making long albums back then. Some people were making really long albums. That's when you were getting like the the seventy five minute albums and stuff like that. But that has to do with Michael though, because Michael was one of the first artists to really utilize the eighty minute limit on compact discs when Dangerous came out because people were still thinking vinyl and cassette before that. But once you could put 80, you realize you could put 80 minutes on a CD and still have it be one album instead of being like a double. You know, like, like Sign of the Times could have been a single album in the CD era. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I think that that had a little bit something to do with that. That's true. Because I'm, think, I'm thinking about how long, so Control was a short album. Yeah. Uh, Rhythm Nation is a little bit over an hour. Yeah, about about 64 minutes. Yeah, Janet comes out after Dangerous. Yeah, about two and, years after Dangerous. Yep. Um, okay. So that so that's that's the but let's get back to my art. My argument is effectively that Janet thematically made albums. Mike put together a bunch of songs, put it on an album. And because he's Michael Jackson at this point, he's so big, like these albums are going to do. And the, and the songs are good, right? It's not like he's just putting like mm-hmm. he's like, I feel like the, the conversations are different when you walk into the studio. So Janet walks in with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and like, Janet, what story are you trying to tell? What kind of what are we looking to do with this album? Mike walks in and says, Quincy, Rod, I want to be the biggest. I want to make the biggest songs ever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right. Let's figure out how to make the biggest songs ever. We're going to make stadium songs. And Janet was doing some of that. But there's also a lot of personal stuff. Like, her songs are very personal. Like, Janet, I mean, Mike made some very personal songs. Don't get me wrong. Mm. 
But that's that's my argument. That's why I think her albums are better because yeah. they're actual thematic concept albums. And you nailed it when you said each one of those albums is very personal. They're about uh, what, is, what was what was the word you said? You said they're independence. All four. Of her they're all about her independence in a different way. And she did that. Whereas I don't think Mike had any specific theme that ran through all of the albums. Some of the songs are just huge songs that are just great. Right. So my, here's here's my here's my uh, my rebuttal to that. Um, when you think about some of the best artists of all time, mm-hmm. and you you think you know you go back to those records and you realize it runs the gamut of different sort of thematic themes. You know, you think about us uh, like I'll give you a perfect example: Bob okay. Marley and the Whalers, Catch a Fire. You know, you have songs like Slave Driver and Concrete Jungle. Um, which are very, very incendiary political songs. But then you also have songs like Baby, Baby, We've Got a Date and Stir It Up, you know, but it, it doesn't mess with the continuity um, and of the whole record. It's still a masterpiece. I think that Michael does the same thing um, in his own way, and he's following the forefathers of that kind of aesthetic and that kind of album making. You know, conceptual albums, you know, it was still... It was it was embraced in the 70s, but it didn't really take a hold uh, for black music until, you know, the 80s, late 90s and things of that nature. So but doesn't I, that give more points to Janet then? Because Janet was able to do something mm-hmm. but, and but do Janet, it really well that not only and, and let's be real, like Janet was she wasn't selling as big as Mike because who was. But Janet is I mean, Janet's selling 20, 30 million copies of her albums. right? So Janet is a huge artist. They're on that Madonna, like it's the, the, yeah. the Janet Madonnas. They're, they're they're that big as artists. If if nobody's really doing concept albums that way, and I think you could argue that Mike was perhaps Mike kind of started to go the concept album. There's actually a story. Here's a fun story. I I, mm-hmm. I know you're 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 a music head. I remember listening to um, the Babyface episode of Questlove Supreme. Yeah, and and Babyface was talking about how Mike <laughs> called in uh, L.A. Reid and Babyface, and he told <laughs> he told them that he really liked Janet's Rhythm Nation album, he, right? He like liked, because he, it was he liked because it knowledge. was yes, it had it had it had like a social theme, like it had that. And Babyface was like, you know, we didn't do that, right? Like that wasn't our album, yeah, but, but I, it was I like, just like it. Yeah, but you know, it was like. I wonder if they had a little competition, Janet and Mike did. Like, you know, it's family, of course, there's always sibling rivalry. And they're two of the biggest stars and artists on the planet in general. But I wonder if Janet making these very personal albums that was something that Mike, like, Mike never really got to do it the same way. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mike, he tried, like, on history, I think he started going a little more personal on stuff. Um, well, actually, I think he, he started going personal before that. I mean... Michael Michael was going personal even before Off the Wall. You go back to like to Destiny and all those albums with the Jacksons um, in the Epic Records. That's when he started getting really personal. And then when you see th- songs on Thriller, that's when it really started to get personal in terms of right. his but life. I'm, so I'm comparing these. I'm comparing these albums. Like the, the albums that most when you when you ask people about Mike albums, they're always going to say Off the Wall, Thriller, Bad, Bad Dangerous. Dangerous. You know, they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll name the, the later ones, right? But I think we can, when you listen to Janet's records, you can tie so much into, you feel like you get to know her through those albums. And, and the videos, right? Even her videos were a lot more uh, intimate. Like, Mike Mike was a huge star. Mike made move, movies out of his videos. 
He didn't even call I, them videos. He called them right. short films. Right. These joints debuted on network TV. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, Mike was a supernova. I think Janet was giving so much of herself on these songs. So, and, I, and I think that's that's the crux of my argument. I realize it's not, it's somewhat limited in its scope, but that's kind of the crux of it because it's like, when I want to hear a big collection of singles... I can just put on Mike's albums and I can listen to all of them and go through and everyone's going to be a banger. When I listen through Janet to Janice albums, I feel like I go on a musical journey with her and the songs bleed into the next ones and they kind of tell me a story on the way through. And I guess it depends on what you're looking for when you listen to an album. Like if I'm listening for, I'm going to give you an interesting, more recent example. Okay. T.I.'s King album. So as recent as 2006 can be, right? <laughs> when, when I listen to that album... You know what song I always skip? What You Know. Yeah. Like I almost never record. listened to that song. That song was so big. It's easily the song of 2006. I can hear it in my sleep without ever turning the song, all right? It, was, it almost got too big. It got so big that when I get to it on the album, I'm like, nah, I just need to go to the, the other songs that kind of make this album like flow yeah. more for me, whatever. I almost never listen to Mike's albums. Full disclosure. That's not a black fashion. That's not a confession. It's just a statement of fact. I listen to Janet's albums frequently because of the journey they take me on. And because I think that when I'm listening, I still gain little pieces of them from the album. I think maybe I can I can hear Mike's albums in my sleep, too. Maybe that's part of it. Like, I don't need to put the album in. I could just listen to. But when Janet's albums, I really enjoy what I'm hearing. Like, it really feeds my soul in a way. You know what I'm saying? But to that I, point, the fact that you can visualize michael's music in your mind without having to hear it i mean i can do that, that with janet volumes too, but i actually yeah. i can do that with janet too but i'm probably a bigger janet fan like i'm, I'm a really big fan of janet jackson's music like i'm a, I'm a yeah. really like i've i've written several articles about my appreciation fandom for her albums just because one i don't for albums that were that big i still don't feel like they get enough flowers if that's if that's even really a no thing, no no you know i saying? i no i i agree with you i think that like Velvet Rope in particular, that's an album that definitely needs to be mentioned a lot more just because of the influence that I mentioned from before on so many female You need to write that article because I don't, I don't think I've ever read an article that, that tied all those albums that you mentioned to the Velvet Rope yeah. in a way that I think was linear. That, that made sense because when you said it, I was like, yeah, immediately. I was like, yeah, absolutely. I completely get that. I don't think I've read an article like that. You need yeah. to get on that, bro. Oh, yep. I'm on it definitely. Now that you've said that, but getting back to the whole point about Michael, I I argue that you can get a glimpse into Michael in terms of his personality and in him, as particularly when you listen to Thriller. What makes Thriller so compelling is thematically it becomes a lot more weary lyrically in terms of Michael's compositions. You see the the, the claustrophobia in there. You see the paranoia, and particularly in Wabi starting something, beat it and Billy Jean. Beat it, people think it's just like an anti-violence song. It's really more of a talk of the intermorality that you have with yourself in terms of okay. like the, the angel and the devil on your shoulder. Uh, you have the masculine side of yourself telling you, you don't want to be a boy, you want to be a man. And then the other side of you saying, well, then just beat it. You know what I'm saying? It, so it's an inter, inner, inner battle more than it is uh, just a blanket, you know, don't fight your fellow man kind of thing. It's really more of an inner battle between your masculinity and, you know, your self-preservation. In terms of Billie Jean, 
and want to be starting something, that really speaks to the fishbowl that Michael is starting to live under. Billie Jean is based on a real story right. of some Maury Povich type stuff. Quincy said a woman was claiming that Michael was the father of one of her twins. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He told a Rolling Stone oh, reporter dear. that he had a picture by his bed, and he goes, "Oh, that's Billie Jean, but you know, she 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 sent a gun to my house to do like a suicide pact. So now I have their picture, so I can tell the cops anytime I see her by my house. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy. It's crazy. Want to be starting something? You think about just the rumor mongering that was starting to happen. I took my baby to a doctor with a fever, but nothing he found. But by the time it hit the street, they said she had a breakdown. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I just went to the doctor and all of a sudden TMZ's like, such and such is going crazy. They're taking meds, so they've got to be, you know, and that's the world that he's living in. So that's him internalizing, uh, personalizing the, the, this music that he's doing, that he's writing, you know? And so that's how you can really get a glimpse um, into his music. You go to Dangerous and particularly, you know, you think of a song like Heal the World. That was his ideal in terms of like, the music can be the thing that heals people, you know, politicians and all that other stuff. That's not going to do anything because they're worrying about their own agenda. We have to be the change that we're waiting for. And he believed that within himself. And then he so wait, wait. put you, it out there. So you think, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Okay. You think thematically, like I don't disagree with what you're saying about the individual songs. Right. Do you disagree with me saying that thematically Janet's albums are more sound than Mike's? Because you're, you're speaking to the themes of these songs, like putting them all together in these spaces. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't disagree with that, that, that you can, I feel like you have to do a little more work to tie the songs together in, on those albums, on Dangerous, on mm -hmm. Beat, on Bad, on Thriller. Like you can do it. I feel like you can do it. I don't mm -hmm. feel like you even have to try on Janet's albums. Yeah. I think that um, with, with Michael... I think that there's a sonic thematic quality that ties into what he's going through too, because you also have to remember Jam and Lewis are composing 99% yes. of that music. Quincy Jones is, is composing. He composed technically one song of those three albums and, you know, and lots of those songs, particularly on bad, Michael is writing those songs and composing those songs himself. I mean, sure he has help here and there. Um, wink wink nudge nudge. But um <laughs> but 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 for the most part, this <laughs> is He's writing those songs himself in terms of the conception of the music, of the arrangements, and everything like that. So he's internalizing yeah. what he's Mike is more inside. of a musician. I I I completely yeah. agree. Like I would never. Mike is that. When you said Janet has done more with less, I laughed. I think that's like I hate that statement, but I think I hate that. Yeah. I, I agree with it. Like I understand <laughs> Mike. I mean, look, Mike. Mike was again. Mike is Mike, right? Like he's he gets to be one name Mike, you know, for a reason, right? Like. <laughs> He was the kind of person that could put all these things together, and he he got he brought people in to get that out of him, so he could get the version of that that he wanted. I think I remember reading or hearing some stories about how many takes of like lines Mike would do until he got that joint like perfect because oh, yeah. he needed it to be a specifically perfect thing. Um, like he needed it to be that way, not the producers. Like he needed it oh, to be a specific yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. He actually would record the song from beginning to end. Most people would. Say, oh, let's go back to the bridge and re-record that. Yeah, Michael said, no, we have stuff. to do the song from the start and go all the way to the end. When you talked about 
Babyface and L.A. Reid, that song that they did with them for Dangerous that didn't come out on Dangerous, Slave of the Rhythm, L.A. Reid said, yeah, we did that 14 times, and he sang it from beginning to end on 14. <laughs> right. So you just disagree with me. I, I, yeah. And I get, I get why. You disagree with me, and you, get, and you get why. Most people probably do. I think more people would probably see this from your end than would see it from mine. Because I think my, 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 my argument is fairly simple. I think she made albums. Like, in the way that I view albums, like a theme, like a conceptually strung together, like the way Marvin Gaye was making the Hear My Dears and the, the What's Going On and, you know, putting together, um, you know, you mentioned Bob Marley. There's an album I'm thinking of specifically uh, that I think I feel like it wove together a lot of themes together in one very cohesive fashion. It was probably and, Survivor or a confrontation or one of those like late 70s early 80s records i think so I th- and i think you're right and like the way that i listen to like fela kuti albums right it might be two songs it might be 37 <laughs> minutes a piece but you know like there's there's a common theme to what he's doing when he's making those albums i'm not the biggest beatles fan but the beatles did a lot of conceptually weaving together so when i think of them in, in an album sense that's why i think her albums were better i would never argue about what those albums were able to do, what they represent, like, look, Mike put together, I just think he put together a bunch of singles that happen to be better than everybody else's. Everybody else's music for, like, eons. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. Billie Jean is always going to be one of the better songs, no matter what your catalog looks like, right? Like, Billie Jean, you can put somebody's entire catalog up and play Billie Jean, somebody's going to be like, yep, Billie Jean. I'll take take Billie Jean for the rest of my life versus all 15 albums that you have, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I, you know... Okay, thank, I, you for, thank you for that. Go ahead. Yeah, but I, I, yes, I agree that Janet put it out there that, okay, these albums conceptually um, follow a certain theme. Michael wasn't so front forward facing with that, but I think that's what makes it so much more um, satisfying when after listening, you realize, oh, okay, he was trying to tell a story from the sonic textures of how, of the, in terms of the cohesion of one song going into the next song, going into the next song, particularly when it comes to the Quincy albums. I mean, you think about Off the Wall, just the way that it just rides, especially from side A. It does. You know, it's just... It is a, it is a vibe. It's, it's, yeah, it, it is. So I think that Michael was speaking a, mus- a more musical language in terms of trying to talk about a thematic part of himself you know because he was all about movement he's all about rhythm he was dancing in the studio while he was recording all this stuff so he's trying to tell a story musically more so than he's trying to tell a story and a theme uh lyrically um and yeah so yes the so the themes of each song vary from one to the next but i think that because if you really get to understand how these albums were crafted in terms of the sequencing in terms of the tapestry and the layering of each song and how they interweave into one another, you'll understand that Michael is telling um, telling you what the theme is, but you just have to open yourself up musically um, and instrumentally to understand what it is that they're trying to do. Okay, look, we're not gonna come to consensus on this. That wasn't the goal. I just <laughs> wanted to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, I felt like it was a good, fun conversation. Yeah. I was curious what somebody who I res- whose opinion I respect musically had to say about that. We threw it out there. So uh, thank you. We're going to take a real quick break and come back with some uh, black fashions, a black accommodation. We're going to come back with the blackness here on Dear Culture. 
Hello, I'm world-famous white politicist Michael Harriet and the host of the brand new podcast, The Griot Daily, on The Griot's Black Podcast Network. Are you Batman? I mean, I'm serious. Like, like the only reason you would ask a black person about black-on-black crime is if you thought that like black people were superheroes and could just put on a cape and go around stopping crime. Join us every day as we get to the nitty-gritty of everything going on in the world. We'll be everywhere you find your podcast starting in June. And as always, tell your mom and them I said, hey. All right, we're back here on Dear Coach, and I'm still here with Matthew Allen. We just had a conversation about Janet's albums versus Mike's albums. Well, they're, they're a four-album run. No consensus was arrived at, didn't expect it, never going to happen. Most people think I'm crazy, but that's fine. That's what black <laughs> cult- that's what blackness and black culture is like. We are not monolithic. That's one of our favorite statements in the community, right? Mm. Uh, so we're going to do this fun thing here on Dear Culture. When I, when I bring people on, I like to talk about parts of their blackness. So we're going to start with this thing called Black Fashion. So the Black Fashion is uh, a confession about your blackness and something something that most people would probably be surprised to know as a black person. I just said we're not monolithic, and now we're about to prove it. So what is your Black Fashion? <laughs> My Black Fashion Panama is that I believe that there are two quote-unquote black movies that I think are overhyped and overrated. And those movies are The Five Heartbeats and Harlem Nights. I don't think that they're bad movies. I actually think that they're good movies. I just don't think they're as good as the public makes them out to be. So right now, I've never wanted to hang up on somebody so bad in my life. <laughs> so The Five Heartbeats no, is, no. is one of my favorite movies of all time of ever. Uh, I probably watched that movie for a couple years almost every day. We had the VHS tape in my house, and I watched it over and over again. I... Now, I, I'm on the Michael Jackson side of this conversation with this one. That is an insane take to me because the Five Heartbeats is so good. Harlem Nights, like I've heard people say that. I don't even understand how people don't love Harlem Nights the way that, like, I feel like Harlem Nights doesn't get enough overrating. Like, I feel like people need to talk about Harlem Nights even more. When did you come to these realizations or like, like in a, in a brief, in, why, you know, why do you feel this way exactly? I just think that having conversations with people um, over the years about the movie. And yes, Harlem Nights is a very quotable movie. Not quite as quotable as like The, the Night Professor or Coming to America, but very, but still quotable to a certain degree. But I just feel like it just, it, it didn't really live up to its greatest potential in terms of utilizing Eddie Murphy, Red Fox and Richard Pryor <laughs> together on screen. Like Eddie himself said that the best part of that movie is the part that nobody got to see, which was when he said cut, and then all these guys started cracking on each other and telling jokes and things of that nature. I That's all that. I needed to hear. You know, when the writer and the director says that, oh, you missed Which the is amazing. Because <laughs> it's such a good movie to me. Like, genuinely, I genuinely no. enjoy those movies, just I, just for what they are. Um, but, <laughs> okay, thank, thank you yeah. for the black fashion. Uh, wait, you, wait, you got a real quick Five Heartbeats thing because that's my favorite movie. So no, Five favorite? Heartbeats okay. is Five Heartbeats is great. Um, it, it's it's good. You know, it's the it's the last of the three uh, Robert and Keenan collaborations. Right. Um, but I don't know. I just it just didn't hit me the way that it hit everybody else, just from a visceral, emotional standpoint. It was almost like 
I was just seeing everything for like, oh, okay, I see what he was trying to do there. Or, oh, okay, I see what he was trying to do there. Or I see the thing he tries to make. But I will say this. It has one of my favorite parts in any movie or black movie of all time is when they get booed on stage in the beginning and then dude goes, ah, and then they all come together and Robert kicks the piano player off. That part, that's beautiful movie making right there. But just in terms of the whole story, it just, it just, it didn't, it didn't quite hit me the way that um, people say that it hit them. So I just think that it's just, it's just a little bit overhyped to me. Okay. All right. Well, you're wrong, but let's move on. So, <laughs> uh, quickly, give me, give me a black recommendation. A black recommendation, for those who don't know, is a recommendation about something by, for, and about black people that you think other people should check out. So, briefly, give me your black recommendation. So, my <laughs> black recommendation would be uh, a book by Lamar Jarrell Bruce. He wrote a book called How to Go Mad Without Losing Your Mind, Madness and Black Radical Creativity. It's a really great book full of a lot of scholarship that really goes over, you know, rage and, and mental illness and and whatnot and how that leads to so many black geniuses um, being able to be creative to a certain degree and, and individual black people in particular, but just dealing with creativity from the standpoint of utilizing certain parts of rage and, and, and mental illness and mental makeup. I think that it's really great. Um, I think you should pick it up. Uh, you'll have to have a thesaurus and a dictionary next to you. Um, <laughs> if you don't, if you, if you didn't graduate with a master's degree, like I did, but I mean, like I don't, I don't have a master's degree, so I have, I had to right. do it too. But it's a, it's a really gotcha. great book, you know. Um, I'm working on a project that deals with something like this, very similar. So I, I really recommend that. All right. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming, spending some time with us to have this wonderful discussion about Mike and Janet, your musical influences, your favorites, all that stuff. Sharing a ridiculous uh, black fashion that you're just wrong about, but you know, I appreciate that. <laughs> Tell the people where they can find you. Certainly. Uh, so for all my uh, hate mail and, and, and death threats over the five heartbeats and Harlem Nights, you can send them to Twitter uh, at Headphone Addict. That's all one word, Headphone Addict. Uh, also on Instagram at Headphone Addict. Uh, you can also go to my website, uh, Define Media. That's uh, D-F-E-Y-N-E Media dot WordPress dot com. Where you'll read some of my blog posts past and present. Um, and also you'll see my own podcast, Get Off the Fence, the premier music and album debate podcast. Uh, I sit down with a guest uh, each episode for season one where we argue about uh, albums like Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation versus Control, Quincy Jones's The Dude versus Back on the Block, Commons B versus Like Water for Chocolate, and so many, many more. So you can find them on YouTube, on Apple Podcast, and on Spotify. That's Get Off the Fence. And uh, you can also find my work like Panama's work, at The Grio. That's C-H-E-G-R-I-I-O. And download the app. All right. Well, I appreciate you, brother. And I want to thank you for being here for this conversation. It was a good time. And thank you for listening to Dear Culture. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast and share with everyone you know. Like, for real, for real, share with everybody you know. We all black here, so let's have, let's have this conversation. Um, Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to podcast at thegrio.com. The Dear Culture Podcast is hosted by me, Panama Jackson, here on the Grio Podcast Network and produced by Crystal Grant and edited by Cameron Blackwell. Thanks for you all for listening. Till next time. Peace. 
Next time on Dear Culture, we're talking Kendrick Lamar's brand new album. It's okay to say when something is a swing and a miss and it doesn't land, right? And that we enjoy it because he's technically proficient, but the execution just was not there, right? That doesn't make him any less of an artist. That doesn't necessarily make him a bad person, but it means he could have tried better. He could have tried again. And I think there's a reluctance to say that as if it's going to mean that you're less of a fan.